Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. How will I be set up for success here? And these questions can seem like you're being needy, right? The market right now is in a weird spot, a weird spot. So the idea of asking any questions that may make someone be like, mm, I think she's going to be difficult. Let's pull this offer. Terrifying. But also, you need to set yourself up for success. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited. You have no idea for our next guest coming at us from Los Angeles. Becca, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is a fun intro. I've been so excited to interview you. And you're probably like, why? Because we don't know each other. But there was something about you that made me feel rooted back to when I built my first tech company. And it just felt raw. Like, I felt like interviewing you would feel like a time machine taking me back to when I first started my adventures in tech. Just like a gut feeling. I just felt like this interview wouldn't be about status. It wouldn't be about boasting accolades. It wouldn't be about surface-level conversation. I had a gut feeling this interview would genuinely be about what we experience to architect our dreams and what even having dreams means to us. I felt like it would be a deeper conversation, and that really excited me. I thought we were talking about the weather, so I'm not sure how this is going to go, <laughs> but I guess, I guess we can get in there. The weather report. You yeah. have no idea how funny no, that honored, is to me. I mean, I think, I think you have an accurate read. I just, I'm a person. I, let's talk like people. Yeah. You know, that's it. So let's get into it so everybody has context, a little bit about the surface level. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I am born and raised in Oakland, California. My background is in Middle East studies with a focus in Israel-Palestine. I spent two years at a Jewish nonprofit in Jackson, Mississippi, where I learned that I want nothing to do with the Jewish nonprofit world anymore. I moved oh, wow. back in with my parents at age 25, needing health insurance by age 26. And then I heard about these things, these coding boot camps, and yeah. was like, this must be a scam, right? Because engineers are these brilliant people who've been doing it since they were in diapers. And like, yeah. my only coding experience was an F in the first, or in a CS course in college, only F I got in my whole life which is a great story now. And I just kind of stumbled into a coding boot camp because I wanted to solve interesting problems with people who are smarter than me. Yeah. And for better and for worse, those problems are being solved and created by tech. And right. I wanted a seat at the table, wanted skills. So I went to a coding boot camp and uh, pestered Steve Huffman, the CEO of Reddit, pestered him into a job. That's how he tells the story mm-hmm. uh, with the help of a fictional comedy song about matching with a professional mentor on Tinder. Yeah. So now I'm a senior uh, security engineer at Reddit 
where my job essentially is to anticipate how trolls are going to try to mess with people and systems and figure out what risks we're okay with and what risks we need to account for and all that. There's so much, especially from the mental well-being side of seeing things that might not be so pleasant all the time that I'd love to get into. But before that, you kind of like shot through how you got that initial job in tech. And so many people listening right now are feeling maybe I'm not good enough, I'm new to this. Can you dive in a little deeper? How were you able to foster creating that opportunity for yourself? Sure. So before I get into it, I do want to be very like clear of when I did this five years ago, this is in 2018, I guess 2017 with the boot camp. This was before COVID. This was five years ago in boot camp land. So the landscape has changed a lot. Totally. Having said that, there's a lot of pieces of my story that I still think are applicable that a ton of people can learn from. So my thing was I went into engineering assuming that I would never be able to be an engineer because engineers are brilliant and I am not. And I assumed that I would get enough of a kind of an intro to be able to ask the right questions and kind of know some service level stuff to be able to like schmooze my way into some opportunity. Yeah. And so when I attended this boot camp, I went to one called Hackbrite, which was specifically an all-women's boot camp, yeah. where their their stated goal is to change the ratio of women in tech. Oh. And I went in and I did this like boot camp prep course that was like a basic intro to Python thing that was twice a week. And I totally caught the bug because coding is puzzles, right? There's some set of data you have. You need to do some stuff with it and get something to come out. It's puzzles. It's patterns. It's It's a game, right, if done right. And if not, then it's just a bunch of people who think they're smarter than everyone else, you know, acting like gods, which is annoying. Yeah. And so the way that I actually got my job is that, like going back in the story, I got a randomly assigned mentor. Okay. um, In the coding, yeah. At at the coding boot camp, John O. Warren. You're my dude. I owe you my life. Thank you. Appreciate you. He would come, you know, every week as done and kind of help me with my project where I built sort of a sandbox micro donation app called Despair Change. Wow. Where the idea was I wanted it to be as easy to, you know, click a button and give a dollar to the ACLU as it was to, uh, you know, give a dollar to a friend for whatever reason. And obviously I didn't build this into production, but that was sort of my my project that I built to demonstrate this is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. It was funny, right? Like the the tagline of one of the organizations I made up was like, it was the fake ACLU, which strove to accomplish all of their goals with none of their resources. This is who I am, right? I'm right. a person. Right. I'm, I'm not a code bot. If you're looking for a code bot, right. go look elsewhere. Yeah. But if you're looking for a person who is teachable and will be fun to teach, right. that's me. Yeah. And then Steve Huffman came and spoke to my boot camp. And one of the things he said that was incredibly impactful was, well, two things actually. Yeah. One was, how do you build a product women want to use without women yeah. on your product team? Yeah. Which I said, yeah. Yeah. Like, right, because people talk like, we want diversity because yeah. it makes the New York Times not be mad at us. Like, you know, whatever right. it is. But that's not why you want diversity. You right. want diversity because it's a better way to build better, 100%. safer, more cohesive products yeah. is to have more ideas in the room. 100%. And then the other thing he said was basically the problem that Reddit at its core needed to solve is how do you make it so that the tiny percentage of assholes don't ruin this beautiful thing for Ugh. everyone else? Totally. And I said, oh, that sounds like an interesting problem, right? I came Mm. from the Jewish nonprofit space where I was working with Jewish communities all across the South and building 
different communities based yeah. on different needs, right? A small community in a college town in Auburn, Alabama yeah. needs different resources than a historically queer congregation in Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. which needs different resources than a large synagogue in Texas, right. you know, in Houston, right? right? And so understanding different communities need different things, but what do they all have in common and what are the problems they're all they're all facing? Right. Interesting, right? Yeah. And so when Steve spoke, I, I asked him a question. I was not a Redditor at the time, I should add, and I raised my hand and I said, what are the ethical obligations of tech founders to anticipate how their products will be used for malicious purposes before launch and plan accordingly? <gasps> yes, that is now my job five years later. Wow. Um, right, I asked you asked that, it that day. Literally, I raised my hand. Hello, person who has never met me, doesn't know who I am, whatnot. Wow. You're here speaking to a room of aspiring software engineers, and this is the first question. Wow. Oh, I always raise my hand and ask the first question. Yeah. Someone has to break the ice. That's what I've always done. That's how I've always been. That's who I've always been, whatnot. Pause on that for a second. I force myself in public environments when there's a big speaker to ask a question as well. Standing in line at these conferences to ask the question, my body is shaking. Every I'm time. sweating. Every time. I'm freaking out. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to be stupid. I force myself to ask a question. So I actually want to highlight asking questions because I'm actually writing a blog post about this right now for the Reddit blog. This is my accountability to finish that article specifically about asking questions and the art of it because I think people are so afraid to sound stupid that they forget that you only know what you know and the only way to know things you don't currently know is to ask. Mm -hmm. And like when you see somebody, you know, type like an acronym and a question mark in the chat of, you know, the Zoom, you know, hangout or right. Slack, whatever, you don't go like, oh my God, they don't know what that stands for. Like I'm judging them forever and I will never look at them the same way. No, you go, oh, thank God they asked. I had no idea also. Yeah. So like go be that person. Right. Um, also, for when you're standing in line at the conference terrified that someone's going to think you're stupid, here's some of my favorite questions to ask that work in any situation for any circumstance. I love this. Number one, um, what is one of the mistakes that you've made that you've learned the most from? Oh, great question. Any context, right? And it's not, and why do you hate yourself now? And why are you unworthy of what you're doing? Yeah. No, it's like, we all make mistakes. That's a given. Yeah. We all learn from our mistakes. Yeah. A given. Yeah. Tell us about one. Right. And then you get to decide how, you know, shit posty versus how real and vulnerable you want to be. Right, right. Right. You can decide any, any segment totally. To ask something there, it's I'm thoughtful or not. And it's also super generic. So right. you can ask it to literally anyone, any phase of their career, any profession, any industry. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Mistake you've made. What's the best piece of advice that you got early in your career? Mm -hmm. Right? Like these sort of generic ones. Yeah. I think th those are my two favorites. One question that was actually gifted to me by a listener was, what is one huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? And I've asked oh, that yeah. on every episode for years. Oh, I love that question. Yeah. Right. Because we all face these obstacles. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I also love the idea of like, what's an obstacle that people talk about all the time that you just don't think of as an obstacle? And how do you make that mental calculation in your mm. head? Right? Like my least favorite question of all time is like, tell me about your imposter syndrome. We all deal with it. But like, why are we making up this huge narrative about how we all must by default feel like we are unworthy and inferior? Yeah. Right? And and we do. And you're like, scratches that off list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? Like, and right. And because for me, the well, okay, I'll, I'll go back to the how I got my job story yeah. a little bit here. So Thank anyways, yeah, I yeah, asked yeah. him this question, yeah. and his answer was basically some combination of, look, like, you can't account for everything before you build it. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to build the thing and yeah. be prepared to pivot and adjust and iterate as you go. Yeah. And I said, okay, great, fine. And then I, uh, I wrote him a follow-up email that said, hello, fangirl, fangirl, fangirl. I'm the woman that asked you this question. 
Yeah. I agree with this part of your answer. Yeah. I disagree with this part of your answer. <gasps> I'd love to continue the conversation and get your advice on how to position myself on teams working on these kinds of problems. What? How are you the most masterful question asker? I'm a Jew. This is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. But but because here's what it is. Hello, CEO of large company. Do you have a minute for me to pick your brain? No. No, he does not have a minute for no. me to pick Amen. his brain. Amen. I can't stand it when people ask me if they could. I'm looking they to don't start- even ask. They say, how about we get together next week for coffee? I'm like, Why? assuming that. <laughs> right. But here's the flip side of that, right? Everybody wants to be a mentor. Everyone wants to be helpful. Everybody wants to share what they know, right? The more I talk about myself in a conversation I have with you, the smarter I think you are. Yeah. Research shows that, right? So hello, very accomplished person. Yeah who I have a lot to learn from, who I think is interesting, who may have opportunity for me or may not. Yeah. I'm someone that you want to talk to. Yeah. I'm someone interesting, right? When someone messages me on LinkedIn, it's like, hey, you're cool. Okay. (laughs) Hi, you work at Reddit. Can you help me work at Reddit? What do you want me to do with that? Hello, I see you have a background in such and such. I have a similar background. I'd love to get your advice on how you navigated specific thing that I'm interested in that shows that I took 30 seconds to think about your time as a valuable commodity. 100%. When someone reaches out to me, all I'm desperately desiring is to be seen as a human being. And I want to see you as somebody I want to invest in. So, okay, let's oh, say you send point. me a really yes. great message on LinkedIn or Google, you know, what, what email, whatever. You send me some message and, hey, can, you know, I ask a great question. Do you have some time to chat with me? Ooh, you seem great. You seem like someone I want to say yes to. Can I tell you what I say? Yes, please. Hi, my calendar is absolutely slammed this week. Can you just send me an email next week so we can plan this out? Oh, because they won't. I put a tiny, super manageable roadblock in front of you. Because if you can't somehow get get your system together to send an email to me next week, no, I'm not connecting you to my friends who are smart and busy and powerful and whatever. That's a good one. Right. And, and And I think a lot about it in terms of bias and who am I, you know, who am I like icing out with with a barrier to entry like this, right? Like a four hour take home coding question because you know you may get anxiety during a coding interview. Yeah. Like that ices out a lot of people. I don't yeah. want to do that. But can you remember to send me an email next week? Do you have some mechanism of keeping a calendar or a way to automate send an email seven days from now? Or care enough? I have a huge network because of what I do of, of investors, venture capitalists, angel. So early in my career, a lot of people say, well, you introduced me to so-and-so. I'm trying to raise money. I'm trying to raise money. And I would see how they wouldn't respect those relationships. Mm-hmm. It would drive me Insane. out of my mind. Mm-hmm. So then, so now I put in boundaries in place and saying, send me this, this, and that, and then blah, blah, blah. And it, you're right. It works wonders. The second you add, and it's not even like a big email. It's like a paragraph they need to send, but... Right. And one of the things I tell all of my mentees when they're like, hello, will you be my mentor? Another question I absolutely hate. Why me? What do you want to learn from me? Yeah. My answer is going to be yes. But just like show that you've spent 30 seconds thinking about this. I literally say, you say jump. I say how high, but I'm not just going to start jumping. Yeah. And, you know, in the beginning, I very much was like, I must help everyone because of all these people who helped me. And then I've slowly learned that it's not that I don't want to or I can't invest in everyone. Well, I can't invest in everyone. It's not that I don't want to. It's that I want to make sure the people that I recommend forward are people worth recommending forward because otherwise my word, my endorsement means nothing. 100%. and so my thing is, so you know, I'll just keep it looping. affects our reputation, right? Hundred like, percent. I 
care a lot about my reputation amongst my peers and you know, we'll, we'll keep getting into it. Yeah. But like relationships are how I built my career. Yeah. And getting people to take chances on me because, no, I don't know what I'm doing now, but yeah. I have a ton of potential and I'll ask great questions. And I'm, you know, I don't know, teach me has been my mantra, right? I'm not dumb. I'm just yeah. new. Yeah. Right. So like, I I'm, love that. I'm not dumb. I'm just new. And, and it's such a powerful mantra because no matter what you're doing, why would you know that the way to spin up a Kubernetes-based service is blah, blah, blah. there's no documentation and right. the answer is go talk to Jamie? Well, <laughs> how would I know that? Right. I'm not dumb. That's a terrible system. Yeah. And, and there's no way for me to know about it. So what are we doing here? So back to the story. So yes. I send Steve that email. And he responds, you know, some amount of times later that was like, hey, sounds great. Let's do a breakfast or lunch at the office. CCing my assistant. Now, meanwhile, uh, I'm a songwriter. I've been a songwriter yeah. for many years. And I, uh, I had written this fictional comedy song while I was at the boot camp about matching with a professional mentor on Tinder yeah. that was three minutes of coding puns and Jewish wedding jokes. You did not ask, but I need to drop some lyrics. I know we have Please a somewhat do. technical audience here. So here's how it ends. It's kind of like Billy Joel Piano Man yeah, yeah. style. Uh, for the length of the list reasons why we can't be, set the count to the risks to mentor and mentee. We could make like a git, track a change, and commit, but we can't get the status until we init. Yes, I matched with my mentor on Tinder, with a man who could help my career. We're two parts of a tuple, a teacher, a pupil, immutable. That much is clear. There's no dot get for feelings while breaking glass ceilings, at least not for this engineer. I will not let my tutor become my new suitor, at least till the end of the year. It's funny for a few reasons. Number no, one, I, it's funny. It's it's also amazing. <laughs> right. There's also no You wrote this? Yeah, I wrote it in like five minutes. Uh, what? Are yeah. you even talking about how do you write something like that in five minutes? Sidebar, another part of my job. Uh, I'm the unofficial Reddit bard. Uh, I just write random songs about That's things. That's amazing. Uh, you know, hi, can your team do a 45-minute or 45-second presentation about what you did this quarter? And I'll like put pull down like my mandolin from a wall Stop. and just like write a little ditty Stop. about like the ban evasion thing we just built. Yeah, like it's a fun little skill. Well, because my thing is I'm not going to get a job off of being the most technical engineer. I I'm not. I'm not going to be able to say, hey, I've been to a three-month boot camp. That's basically the same as three years of industry experience. Yeah. Because it's not. Hello, my name is Potential. I'm going to be fun to teach and I'm incredibly teachable. Hmm. Now we're talking. Right. So, anyways, my uh, I have a friend who I'm enjoying listening to you so much. Thank you. <laughs> um, as I said, I'm the bard. I'm a storyteller. It's what I do. You're you're very great at it. Thank you. So, anyways, one of the women in my boot camp ran into my mentor on the street and was like, "Are you going to Becca's show?" And he said, "What show?" Because uh, I was the artist in residence at like some cafe in uh, San Francisco. The mentor that you got through the coding boot randomly assigned mentor. Okay. Who yeah. happened to work at Reddit? Yeah. Right. Ran into a friend of mine who went to this boot camp on okay. the street. Did I mention my story is all luck and relationship? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. not happened today? Yeah. Are you going to Becca's show? No. He texts me. says, what's the deal with the show? I said, here's the deal with the show. Um, also, <laughs> funny song, a story for you, Jono. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't match on Tinder. You know that. I know that. There's no men on my Tinder. Yeah. Just FYI, there's something coming here. Yeah. So anyways, he comes to the show. Yeah. Which, again, speaks to him and his, you know, yeah. his... He liked me as a person, yeah, right? Yeah, it's not, yeah. right? Like we've all worked with people in professional environments where we're like, we love these 45 minutes a week and there's no way in hell I would spend an extra second right, with you. Right, right. And then there's the people that you're like, oh, if you invited me to a party, I bet your friends are cool. My my investors in my social network that I built back when, before social networking we're was We're going to need to get into that too, they, but um, okay. They came to my birthday party and I, I'll never forget that. Like it, it was it was the day that really solidified like, oh, you – 
actually care about me as a human. Right. It's it's not a one-way relationship. This is a this is a two-way relationship here. Yeah. It's not I am getting something from you and you are getting nothing from me. And like anyone who has ever been in this situation of like, I need someone to take a chance on me. I need, I need something from someone. If only they would, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts, just give me the time of day. No, no, no. We do it because we benefit from it too, as yeah. mentors, as sponsors, as yeah. guarantors. Like we we are we we like this. So anyway, right. he comes to my show and he listens to the song and objectively it's great. So he liked it. And then afterwards he came up to me and said, Hey, send me a resume. And I'll add that after Steve spoke when I sent him that email, I also texted Jono and I said, Hey, Steve just spoke at Hackbright. FYI, I am going to be your coworker. Thank you in advance for your help. Like a manifestation line? Mm-hmm. Like okay. 100% a yeah. manifestation line. Um, something about me, I'll add, is I don't know why I am unabashedly confident about things that there's absolutely I no reason it. I should be this confident about, but I don't have another way of being in the world. I've always been a lot. People have always liked me or hated me, and I really don't care. Not hated me, been profoundly annoyed say, by I me. I can't imagine someone hating you. You're so likable. <laughs> well, sure, but like I'm a lot and I'm annoying. I, I, I can be annoying. If you're looking for a nice calm afternoon with your three friends and I show up, that's not what you're getting. And so, and, that, and that's fine, right? The your people, self-awareness though mm-hmm. is like mic drop. <laughs> right. Well, the, the people who get it, get it. And the people yeah. who don't, don't need to. Yeah. Like that's fine. I'm not here trying to get you to change your mind about me. I'm right. trying to get the people who want to be a part of this to be a part of this because right. they're the ones that I'm going to want to build these relationships with and move forward. With right, right, with. right. So anyways, I, you know, I texted him that. Thank you in advance. And like my thing was I knew that interviewing is a skill. Yeah. And I wanted to work at Reddit. So I wanted to develop that skill. Yeah. Before I started it at Reddit or before yeah. I started the, the process to interview with Reddit. Yeah. So I did not ask for a referral. Instead, I was like, hey, would you meet, you know, meet for me, meet with me, continue meeting on a weekly-ish basis to do, you know, coding problems or help me with these kind of things? But what happened was I went to like a Hackbright like happy hour thing and I yeah. met this woman. Hi, Dobbs. How are you? Yeah. Um, I love that you acknowledge all the people that helped you along the way. It's so important. Oh, tech is a team sport. Tech is a team so sport. I, I, I've been an athlete my whole life. Um, you don't get anywhere alone. And the people who stand in front of the room and don't acknowledge their teams, I don't understand. No, I don't understand. I've seen so many people skyrocket. And then the thing that I notice in an unfortunate common theme is they don't mention any of the people that helped them get there. And it, it really saddens me. It really saddens me too. And I just, I know how far it goes. And this is going to sound awful and manipulative, but I'm going to pull the T-Swift line and say, what if I told you I'm a mastermind? And, you know, if I talk to you for 10 minutes and then I drop something into our public internal feedback tool that says, hey, I just talked to Janet. She is incredibly knowledgeable about this thing. And I'm so grateful she gave me her time. Uh, See, it goes a long way. It goes a long way for a few reasons. Number one, Janet, you deserve all the props. Yeah. I, I just made up Janet and I feel bad because there's a million actual coworkers I could have named. Um, <laughs> named none of them. Sorry about that. That's uh, actually a good move because then one would be like, wait, why didn't you name me? <laughs> Melissa Cole, you're my everything. You know it. <laughs> um, that's also true. She's the first woman that uh, read it higher in engineering. And the best <gasps> thing that happened in my career was the desk wow. next to hers opened up. Wow. I mean, so, ma- so many stories of relationships. Yeah. So anyways, I'll go back to John. So after my show, he, he emailed me the next day, send me your resume. And so I sent him my resume and, you know, I was going out of town, whatever. Yeah. So meanwhile, I met this woman at this uh, who uh, you know, loved her job at Bloomberg. And I said, great, yeah. will you refer me? And so I went through the interview process at Bloomberg. And, like, 
I didn't want to work there, but I, they like kept having me. I ended up getting an offer from them. And I also emailed the recruiter guy I met at like Hackbrite's demo night from Coursera, yeah. who was like, I'm all about you know mentorship and we're all about growing people. Like we're an education platform, so they right. should be great. But their office was in Sunnyvale and I lived in Oakland. So yeah. I don't know how Bay Area focused people are, but essentially they were geographically in a place that there was no way in hell I wanted to work at. And it was such a great practice interview because I knew I didn't want mm. the job. And I did a few interviews with places that I knew for a fact I have no interest in working with you, which meant that I could, you know, answer your questions and see what kind of response you would give. And I could mm. practice telling my story. Like after my boot camp ended, and actually this is the real advice I have. Yeah. Go on a million coffee dates with people in the industry you want, right? I wanted to go into software engineering. Yeah. Great. There's so many kinds of software engineers. Yeah. And where do I even start, right? The recruiter goes, what kind of engineering do you want to do? And you go, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, hi, can I, you know, buy you a coffee and can we talk for an hour yeah. about, you know, such and such? Great. Right. So I met with infrastructure engineers and security engineers and yeah. product engineers, all front and back end, you so name it, I named cool. it them. And the, the most valuable piece is they would say, tell me about yourself. Right. And I would answer the question and then I would go, oh, you're asking me a lot of follow-ups about Jewish life in Jackson, Mississippi. I don't want to talk to you about Jewish life in Jackson, Mississippi. I want to talk to you about what I'm learning in this boot camp and, you know, yeah. how I could benefit your company. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that means when I'm telling my story, I need to really play down and not say a lot about what I did before because if I do, you're going to ask me about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I spent a couple years in the nonprofit world and then I went to this boot camp because. Yeah. Great. You don't care about the nonprofit world anymore. Okay, cool. Now we can talk about that. And so what that meant is as I went into these interviews and I was talking to recruiters, I had now gotten better at understanding if I say this, they're most likely to ask about that. Right. And that then gives me the opportunity to talk about this. And this is what I want to talk to you about. Because I'm not here wow. to sell you on my engineering skills. I don't have any engineering skills yet. That doesn't mean I can't develop them. Yeah. But you're going to have to teach me them. Yeah. And so what I need you to believe in me for now is that I am potential. Right. I will be fun to teach. I am hungry to learn. Yeah. Here is what I learned in this capacity of this boot camp. Yeah. But like I'm a blank slate. Teach me things. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm humble and I'm energized and I'm I'm ready. But like yeah. I'm not going to hit the ground running and be able to save your company. Yeah. That's not where we're at. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned self-awareness earlier. I think understanding what role you are trying to fit and really playing that up yeah. is important. What I'm really appreciating in listening to you, well, one, the whole ethos of this podcast for me, the reason I've invested so much of myself into it close to 10 years now is to empower women to see that opportunity is possible. And I feel like you're speaking to that so much where you're leaning into is that there is a lot of possibility to create our own realities and taking that accountability, what is within our control, to study the interview process, to see how the, how we're communicating, to be proactive about setting up the meetings, about securing a mentorship, about participating in the coding boot camp, to making the most of the opportunity in the coding. Like there's so many pieces that have nothing to do with anything else other than you deciding I'm going to make this choice for myself today. I'm going to invest my energy into this today. I'm going to become thoughtful. I'm going to study this today. And there's one extra point I want to add, oh, which please is, do. and I'm going to surround myself with other people who are supportive and understanding of what I'm doing. Mm. Because it is that so might be the toughest isolated. One. Yeah. Oh, and particularly in remote land. And the reason I keep emphasizing that my story could not happen today is like, let's talk about all the in-person coincidences that happened, right? An in-person boot camp where this person came on site. Well, okay, let's back up. Reddit's office was three blocks down the hill from my boot camp. Let's right. start with that. Yeah. Right. So the fact that the 
people from Reddit were connected to this boot camp already and were easily able to come up on their lunch breaks. Right. Right. Like that's already luck. Right. right. But it's really different to meet with somebody over Zoom for 40 minutes where you're in their you're in your office and they're in theirs. And there's yeah. none of the like transitional time before and after. And like you don't really get to understand how a person is the same uh, way. So okay. Agree. And also, I think that there is space in the virtual world to create those opportunities. Like, let's say there's a speaker on a webinar and they're giving a talk and then you then follow up immediately with the email they give out with something very thoughtful and practical that they said and start to plant the seeds of that relationship. Yes. I think there is abundance of serendipity that could happen in a bit of a different way. And it's still just about being highly proactive and creating those relationships. But you have to manufacture the serendipity, right? Mm. Like, because my, the person I was friends with in the boot camp running into my mentor on the street, because she just so happened to have a crush mm. with cr- a crush on her mentor who happened to be his manager. Like, yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. happen the same way. But like the way that I emailed Steve and yeah. said like, hi, I'm someone worth your time. Yeah. Right. Everybody in my boot camp could have done that. And I remember, like, I wrote out my email, and then I was literally shopping my uh, my laptop around yeah. to other people. And someone was like, Becca, you don't have, a like, a monopoly on emailing him. And I said, I know. You, you should email him, too. Yeah. Like, th- we're not we're not in competition here. I mean, like, yeah. we are, but we're not. Yeah. It's, I'm taking this opportunity. You don't resent me for taking advantage of an opportunity. 100%. That like, if someone, like, as he was leaving, I literally yelled, what's your email address? My mom says, if you don't ask, you don't receive. Right. And I think people <laughs> wait for someone to say, hello, I'm going to send you a link for this way to plug it. No. Like, yeah. so, so I was talking to a mentee recently at work. Some people, wait, some people even do on stage. They'll, they'll be like, here's my phone number. Here's my, and then the amount of times, the amount of people that take action is so small. I did an intro talk to all of our interns this past year, and I like I like fought to get into the inter- internship talk because I think that, and it's not just a Reddit problem. I think yeah. it's an industry wide problem on the recording. Let's just say it's an industry wide problem, yeah. please. That I think that we're really failing newbies and junior engineers because so much of the onus is on them to ask for help in worlds where they don't understand how much asking for help is normal, and they don't see it role modeled. And so I literally fought to go to intern onboarding, and at the end of it, I said. Look, I'm not any of your managers. I'm not any of your mentors. I'm not here in any official capacity to determine whether or not you get a return offer or not. But I just spent an hour with you guys talking about the emotional toll that being junior takes on you and giving suggestions for how to ask for help. Like, I really concretely understand what you're going through. If you would like to use me as a resource, I'm here on Slack. Just reach out. I'm absolutely here to cheerlead and pep talk and be someone in your corner for when you just have a moment where you're like, I wish I could talk to somebody that Mm. is good. Like, overwhelmingly positive. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Guess how many of them reached out? One. One. Yeah. As we're talking about being proactive and asking questions, just one more thing to kind of echo that statement is I was a part of Astia. It was an organization in San Francisco for women who had raised money. And whoever was speaking that day said, write on this board, they have this big whiteboard in the room, who you want to meet or something like that. And out of this room of of people, no one wrote anything. And I stood up. I wrote Tony Shea, Richard Branson, and I think I wrote Puff Daddy or something. Incredible. Who knows? You know Incredible. What I mean? And um, someone in that room said, oh, my gosh, I know Tony Shea's neighbor. And I'm like – what? Manifesting. And later he became uh, a mentor and then one of my good friends. And yeah, anything is possible if you, it starts by us taking action. Right. And like I was talking to a different mentee who was like – so she's, she's an Indian woman and she was like, I don't have 
uh, a lot of role models who talk like me. And I had a professor in my, I forget if it was master's or PhD program. And I'm like, oh, you're significantly more qualified than me for literally everything. She was like, I had an advisor or someone on the panel basically be like, you don't talk clearly because I have an accent. And I was like, that's just racism. But it's now made me incredibly self-conscious about my accent and my voice. And I was like, well, that's profoundly fucked up. And she was like, yeah. And I just wish that I had you know more mentorship. And I'm like, well, what do you know that the director of your organization is this kick-ass Indian woman? And she's like, yeah, well, she's really busy. And I'm like, she's on Slack. Message her. Wait, she just said, well, she's really busy without even asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right. And I think a lot of people mm, assume that yeah. the folks that they want resourcing from, they want support from, they want help from, they can learn from, are busy before they even ask the question. Totally. And so one of the other big pieces of advice that I think about is don't assume other people's needs and schedules. Don't be responsible for other people's notification settings. And so, like, yeah. I may send you a message at a time that, like, you know, you may work on the East Coast, yeah. and so I may send you a you know a message at 5 p.m. my time yeah. and 8 p.m. yours, and I'll explicitly say, please don't look at this till the morning. Yeah. Now. And if they yeah. respond, I'll be like, hey, it's 8 p.m. for you. You sure you want to do this? It's the end of my day. I'm wrapping up here. Right. Right? But fine. It's not – like, it's late for them. Yeah. This is not urgent. Yeah. But always ask, and no is a valid answer. On and also, if someone doesn't get back to you, they may just not have seen it. I've had friends I haven't gotten back to because I literally just didn't see the message. I was busy. I hadn't checked my inbox or my text messages. And I felt terrible when a few months later I'm like, oh, man, had no idea you were trying to contact me. Yeah. Can I give a very L.A. story with an anecdote about why not ask? Okay. So uh, this is an insane flex. I I was recently in Australia and New Zealand for the first half of the Women's World Cup. I love New Zealand. I haven't been to Australia. It it was incredible. The Women's World Cup was paradise. I just need to say it. Everyone should go. It's it's the great. Thing. So um, I'm an Angel City uh, season ticket holder, right? And I received an, uh, an email from the team while I was in Sydney that was like, hey, congrats, you've won, you know, a ticket sweepstakes. You don't remember entering in. Like, we'd like to offer you two VIP tickets. And Angel City is the soccer team here in LA. It's the women's soccer team here in LA that was founded by uh, Julie Ehrman and Natalie Portman. And then I think uh, Alexis Ohanian, his, so Mr. Serena Williams, uh, his VC was also very involved and he was a co-founder of Reddit. So like there's that tie in there. But anyway, so like it's and it's an incredible. Also, go to Angel City Games; they're so fun. It's all of the competition and none of the toxic machismo. They did not pay me to say that, but hi, Angel City, I love you. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I get an email like you've won the VIP ticket sweepstakes. Uh, you know, we'd like to offer you two tickets. You can watch us warm up on the field and yeah. then like be in the box. Oh, that's sick! The date is you know July 29th, and I responded like. Hi, name of ticket rep. Thank you so much. I'm currently in New Zealand for the World Cup and will still be there. Like, can we reschedule? Can I transfer? No answer. Fast forward like a week and a half later, I'm walking around Wellington where the U.S.-Netherlands game was being played, and I'm wearing my Angel City hoodie. This is going to be amazing. And someone looks over and they point at me and they go, Angel City! And I look up and I go, hi, Julie. It's Julie Ehrman, the president and CEO of the team. What? Who's there because she's spoken on a bunch of panels to help like grow the game wow. and, and whatever else. And she looks like a little taken aback, but also she was just in an HBO documentary about the team. So like it's not particularly surprising that somebody who's there for women's soccer wearing her team swag, yeah. like whatever. She, it's not that weird. Super cool. And yeah, super cool. And I look at her and I go, Julie, I have a bone to pick with you. And my sister starts like aggressively elbowing me in the chest. I'm going, stop it. Go away. And Julie goes, with me? And I go, well, not with you, with ticket rep. Again, let's talk about no shame. And I watch her entire body language shift. And she goes, what happened? And I explain the situation. I go, look, like, I got this email. I won the sweepstakes. I responded and, and said this. She goes, you're here. I go, exactly, I'm here. And that's what I told, you know, the rep. But you know what they said? She goes, what? 
I go, nothing, Julie. They said nothing. <laughs> and she goes, well, that, well, obviously we can reschedule you. That's totally fine. And I'm going, this is so far like below your pay grade. This yeah. is not important enough for yeah. you. But I asked you, so you're addressing. Great. And then she goes, let's do this. Let's take a picture. My email is da, da, da. CC me on the email. We'll get you rescheduled. So we take a picture. Yeah. She compliments my phone case, which just has a bunch of cutouts of boobs. Um, <laughs> it, but like tastefully, tastefully, I need to acknowledge that right off the bat. Um, and I then send what can only be described as the world's most savage email, uh, responding to my own last un- unreplied to email. Hello, ticket rep. Hope you're Stop. doing well. Stop. I, I can't. Ju- I just ran into Julie, CC'd, uh, who says we can reschedule for any day. Please let me know what I need to do to make it happen. Thanks so much. The photo. Stop. And then they got back to you in 30 seconds. No, they didn't. They still haven't responded. I don't think they work for the team anymore. But Julie's out of office responded. And her out of office sidebar was phenomenal. It was like, you know, hello, I guarantee I'm on a different time yeah. zone than you. I'm here growing the game. Yeah. Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And I, like, I'll follow up again probably next week or so when she's back and, yeah, yeah. and, and whatnot. The reason I say that yeah. is because... Number one, I looked at the owner of a sports team and said, hello, this non-existent drama is actually your problem. And I was half kidding. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not going to be like, I love your team so much, right? It goes back to the question I asked Steve. It's not, can I pick your brain and shower you with compliments? It's like, you're a person, I'm a person, and there's actually something you can help me with, right? Executive women want to help women, Hmm. right? Like, we want to, I say we, I'm not an executive woman. People want to be helpful, right? I love your team so much. I can't help you with that. Oh. Hey, I have a very specific thing. Like you offered me something and then I, I'm trying to cash it in, but I'm obviously a huge soccer fan because I'm at the fucking World Cup in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I'm I'm trying to cash in this thing for this yeah. team, your yeah, team yeah, that yeah. I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's an interesting mind shift. I have to process it. I can't process it this quickly. But that's a really interesting mind shift. And how can we communicate in ways that aren't so maybe just uh, flattery oriented and instead uh, mutually helpful? Well, yeah, totally. And I like flattery is fun. But like, when someone looks at you, oh, my God, you're so great, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Like, also say thank you. Don't say no, stop it. Like, just accept yeah. the compliment. Yes, say thank I you. agree with that. This yeah. is something performing actually taught me, yeah. like standing on a stage with people clapping at you yeah. and not shutting them up and just like taking it. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so hard. But also, that's the confidence we all need to project. Wait, uh, but let's rewind back because you still didn't get hired in your story. <laughs> well, it's been five years. I'm good now. Okay. No. So, <laughs> all right. So here's what it, so it yeah. actually gets crazier. Okay. So, so, so says, your mentor send, when it, you said send, send the resume. resume and you had emailed the CEO. Him. Yeah. Great. So the CEO says, let's get, you know, breakfast. I say, great. I'm about yes. to be traveling for a while. Let's do it, you know, when I'm back yeah. in, you know, in a few weeks. Great. Right. And I loved how you were like practice interviewing. Everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, that was yeah, so cool. And I'm you know doing my own you know Leet Code esque stuff. And the way I was studying with cracking the coding interview, which is a book that everyone should love to hate or hate to love or whatever you want to do, is I knew that I wasn't going to do it if I didn't find it fun. I yeah. had to look at it all as puzzles. So I would read a problem, and say, "Is that something that I think I know how to do? Like I have mm-hmm. the building block skills to figure it out?" Right. Yes. 
okay, then I'm going to try it. And if it was something I read and I didn't understand half the words in the question, I'm not here to try to like learn stuff that I'm, that I've never been exposed to. Cause in reality, I want to prove that I have learned the basics, right? Anything with strings and lists and dictionaries and, you know, the ability to convert any kind of data from like, you have a a string, great. Can you now organize it into a a dictionary mapped on letters? Like basic data transformation stuff. Right. I need to be able to write for loops and while loops in my sleep, right? I'm not saying that you need to be able to like write an end-to-end app that has, you know, salted passwords stored in your databases and transformed into various, like, like, no, that's not what, like straight out of a bootcamp, that's not what I need to prove to you. I like, it's the equivalent of I can open a Word document, I can bold something, I can underline something, I can probably start writing a few sentences. Then you get to a company and it's like, great, here's a PhD dissertation. We need to find the spot where they make this claim and actually reword it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I can bold and underline things. That's all I got for now. Let's work up to that. Yeah, yeah. That's the metaphor I use. So anyways, um, so I'm studying, I'm studying. In in this prepping uh, piece, I had I did a an hour-long like uh, like hacker rank challenge or something right. where it was like you have an hour to answer two questions. And to say that I bombed it is giving myself way more credit than I deserve. This wasn't for Reddit. This was for okay. a different company. By the end of the hour, one of the problems, one of my solutions was like if no input return, like nothing. Yeah. And the other one was in an infinite loop. Right. And I said, shit, like this is a company that's, this, uh, that does a lot of mentorship. That's yeah. all, like they, they talk about how they onboard their junior engineers and I couldn't even do this. So what did I do? This is another story about shamelessness, by yeah. the way. So I, uh, I had screenshotted one of the problems and I spent six hours on the day I was flying home finding a solution to one of the problems. Yeah. And I, uh, I emailed my recruiter and said, hi, Rachel, or whatever her name was. Hi, Rachel, I hope you're doing well. Um, I wasn't able to answer the question the hour provided, but uh, I was able to solve this problem afterwards. Can you please forward my solution to the team? Also, I, uh, I was only able to screenshot one of the problems. Can you please send me a screenshot of the other one? Uh, and I'll get that solution to you by the end of the weekend, or whenever. So let's talk about this. For a I minute. just love how proactive you are. Well, here's the thing. You're just so great at proactivity. <laughs> well, because here's what it is, right? I already don't have a job at insert name of company here. Yeah. I literally have nothing to lose if I receive an email informing me that I still don't have a job at insert name of company mm. here. There's no universal list of like, oh, I tanked this interview, therefore I will never be able to work at that company again. And also they have now told all of their peers at every other company that Mm -hmm. I am trash and unworthy of of professional health insurance. Like that's not a thing. If you ask every engineer, tell me about an interview you tanked. Actually, let's add that list, that question to the list of questions to ask on any panel. Tell me the story of when you tanked an interview. (laughs) That is a good question. Everyone has a story Mm -hmm. and everyone will giggle and everyone will laugh through their yeah. story, and then everyone will tell you how it helped them triumph in their next one. Totally. Without fail. So anyway, so I sent this email, and there's objectively no reason that this recruiter should respond, let alone say yes. And sure enough, she reached out a few days later and said, hi, Becca, apologies for the slow response. <laughs> you're like, you're apologizing to me? <laughs> well, and yeah. this is my level of, or my, like, uh, my calibrator yeah. of how bold can I be here? Yeah. I have nothing to lose. So yeah. why not be the most gutsy version, right? Because what am I trying to prove to, to you, right? I am potential. It's probably going to take me a little longer to finish the task yeah. as it would to somebody else. Yeah. But, oh, my God, do I have drive. Okay, wait. How about this thing that a lot of us have of, like, we just don't want to be annoying oh, to someone? Get over yourself. But, like, supportive and lovingly get over yourself. No, no. <laughs> but but there is something yeah, 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 genuine no, about that. Like, I, I had someone in uh, my career that was so 
aggressively trying to get a hold of me during a very bad period of my life. And I was kind enough at the beginning to be like, hey, like I'm going through a really bad period. I, I don't have capacity. And they kept like trying, trying, trying. I'm like, this is insane. And one of my best friends said, I think it's just the tech culture. They they don't take no for an answer and, and like they don't respect someone's humanness. And, and so there is a level of like too much. A hundred percent. So how, how do we know when to push ourselves to be even like put on a, a confidence hat mm-hmm. versus like l- let's respect boundaries and space? Well, OK. So I think the thing about your story that is so despicable to me is that someone asked a question. Love that. Ask. Always ask. Oh, yeah. And I was then, fine with asking right, the question. And then you said, boundary. This is a boundary. And then that person said, no, nah, I don't like your boundary. I'm going to annoy you. But let someone else articulate that boundary. Um, and this was something else that Steve said when he spoke at the boot camp. That I, I love really that. Liked. Wait, no, let that oh. sit in, though, because that's good. Let someone else. Yeah. I'm going to wait for you to tell me that I'm annoying you before I just assume that I'm annoying mm, to you. Don't close your own doors. That. Don't put your own ceiling on. I got this advice from yeah. a from a so within we haven't even talked about what I've done on the job, but when I we'll get there too. We'll get, I'm yeah. just like loving. Oh, I cleared my I'm afternoon. We're good. Uh, I I know how this goes. People go the, the podcast is 20 minutes, and I'm like, yeah. Why is my episode now? We're 20. How'd that happen? No, you're uh, so. I love how empowering you are. Thank Continue, you. Continue, please. Um, yeah. Uh, so, to, but to your question about like how do you know to ask? The answer is like, take a deep breath, put on your bravery hat. Yeah. And just ask. Yeah. Um, and Steve said this too. He's like, I want noisy engineers. Let them oh. tell you that you're being too noisy. Let them tell you, hey, I notice you have a lot of questions. I'm really trying to get some head down time. Can you write down your questions? And then let, and then I'll throw an hour on the calendar, you know, this cadence, this whatever. Yeah. Where we can just go through the list. Right. Right. That's not no. Yeah. That's let's find a system that works for both of us. Yeah. But until someone tells you that your way of doing it doesn't work for them. Why would you assume that it doesn't? It's so funny. Even my own team will sometimes say, I didn't want to bother you. I know how busy you are. And I'm like, no, actually, I want all of you to bother me as much as you want. Like, the more questions, the better. This is where I want that, like, influx of questions. When something that's been really hard for me as I've climbed the ladder, right, because I built a brand off of, like, hello, my name is new. I don't know anything. I'm not threatening. I'm just asking. And then as I've climbed up the ladder more and more, I feel like people have gotten intimidated by my title. And people mm-hmm. have gotten intimidated by the idea of me. Yeah. And because people no longer know me as a super approachable person that you sit down next to at the lunch table and just chit-chat with about whatever, yeah. I get a lot fewer inbounds mm-hmm. until people meet me in person and they're like, oh, wow, that conversation, you said to follow up with you. So I'm going to follow up with you now. Interesting. And so the question is like, how do we who people assume are too busy for them yeah. make it clear that like, no, 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 I'm not too busy for you. I, I may not have time today. Right. But – I will make the time for you, but you need to ask me for the and time. And not always. No, but but then I will also tell you that right. like, hey, so yeah. like for example, our CTO um, has a chief of staff uh, who is incredible. And sometimes yeah. I'll ask my CTO something and then his chief of staff will respond yeah. and say, hey, I threw some time on our calendars to talk about it. And in the beginning, I was super offended. And I'm like, Chris, like, you know, Chris Slow, he and I, we have a relationship. Yeah. I've known him for a long time. Yeah. Like, he really is grateful for the way that I surface things to him. And then I'm Why like, are you passing me off? Right. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, yeah, this man is not ignoring me. This man is saying, I want the problem dealt with. And because I want it actually dealt with, you talking to me 
is not the best way to deal mm. with it. You talking to my chief of staff is the best way to deal with it. But then my ego had to get mm. over the fact that like, well, I want the FaceTime with you to make sure that our relationship yeah. is good. No, no our, our relationship is fine. If it weren't fine, someone mm. would tell me. You are dropping gems. We have to at least conclude you getting hired, which led to the five years before we could transition into sure. your okay. girl. <laughs> Great. Okay, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. So anyways, I tanked an interview. Yeah. Okay, so I really lucked my job in Reddit. So I, I had messaged Jono, you know, would you help me prep? Great. So I, I meet him at his office, which yeah. again is three blocks down yeah. from the boot camp that I'd been going into, yeah. to do, run into a whiteboarding problem, would do lunch. And he, uh, at this point, I'm like in my uh, interview process, right? Right. I'd reach out. I'd had my recruiter screen on, oh, actually, let's get to the lunch with Steve. Yeah. So I had my one-on-one lunch with Steve, and the way I knew it went well is that at the end of it, he looked at his watch and said, I'll be late to the next meeting. And the way it turned out, like, I literally asked him, like, how do you date a model? Something like Reddit, right? Yeah, like, yeah. how do you do this, right? I'm not dumb. I'm just new. Yeah. And do I, you, by the way, do you say that mm-hmm. in the meeting? I'm not dumb. I'm just new. Yeah. All the time. You say it out loud. Mm-hmm. So there's context to. Yeah. I'll say, like, yeah. and you know, I transitioned into security fairly recently and I don't have a security background. So I'll say all the time, like, hey, can we uh, explain like I'm five, ELI five, this, like I've never been exposed to this technology before. I think I'm going to start using that, especially when I, I feel imposter syndrome or something, even in my own head, mm-hmm. when I'm like frustrated with myself doing something new that I've never done. And I'm like, why can't I just figure it out so fast? Right. And, <laughs> like, and like the other thing is like, I'll time box myself, be like, okay, I will give it 20, 30, you know, an hour, whatever it is to bang my head against the wall and like concerted effort to yeah. figure it out. But once I get to the place where I'm just throwing shit against the wall to see what sticks and not yeah. learning anything, I'll go, okay, I clearly need help. Yeah. Let me take a step back. Yeah. Hi, uh, who do I ask this? Okay, here's yeah. the channel for the people working on this thing. Yeah. I'm trying to do this thing. Uh, this is how I think it's yeah. working. You know, I'm trying this, but it's not. Can someone with some more context help me out? Totally. And generally I'm like missing something small that there's no reason I yeah. would know. I'm not dumb. I've just never done this before. I love that. So I'll add, I prepped for that lunch, right? Like I went to our career counter at the boot camp and was like, I'm about to meet with the CEO of the company I want to work at tomorrow. I'm not explicitly asking for a job. And I know I have my recruiter screen or no, I had my recruiter screen on Tuesday and then I was meeting with Steve on Friday. That's what it was. And so I was like, okay, by the end of this conversation, what do I want him to know about me? Yeah. Um, uh, what is it? It was, I come from a, a different background and like, I'm not a huge Redditor. And so I understand the perspective of people who want to use this thing, That's but don't yet. I'm not a huge Redditor. Oh, no. My perception of Reddit before I joined was not good. That's fascinating. I also love what are the three things that I want him to know about me after this conversation. Like, ah, I just, well, I, I love how you think. I admire how you think so well, much. Look, I came from an education background, right? Yeah. I was literally writing curriculum for, yeah. for students that was to be used at different schools. So by the end of this lesson, students will be able to. Blah, 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 oh my gosh. And then you reverse engineer it. But even, even like uh, uh, giving, it, empowering yourself to just go into the interview, not being a Redditor. I feel probably so many people are like, oh, I can't interview for that company because I haven't used XYZ. And you're, you're like, no, this is an advantage. And here, let me tell you why. Is your company looking to grow the number of users they have? Great. Why don't we have people that aren't yet users giving yeah. perspectives of actually that yeah. thing's really confusing? Mm-hmm. Like that's just kind of a natural, right? Like and so one of the big things and the reason that these coffee chats I mentioned earlier are so beneficial is because it helps you understand how to frame your story. Yeah. Right. You have the background you have. You have the skills that you have. How do you 
explain and articulate mm. those in ways that's valuable. So for example, I'm a Middle East studies major with a focus in Israel-Palestine. My senior thesis was about Palestinian identity in Jordan from the years 1989 to 1994. Yeah. Let's talk about software engineering hard skills because that's not it. Okay, well, I spent my junior year of college living multiple perspectives of the Israel-Palestine conflict in Jordan and in Israel-Palestine. What is the tech skill there? Well, I'm a cultural translator. I can explain Zionist ideas in language that Palestinians can understand, and I can and I can articulate I'm a cultural translator. and I can articulate you know pro-Palestinian ideas in ways that Zionists can find palatable. Right? I spent two years living in Jackson, Mississippi, from right before Trump announced his candidacy to six months into the presidency. Right? Like I can explain progressive ideals to the Republicans I met, and you know, and wow. vice versa. Um, let's talk about the translation gap between technical and non-technical teams. Let's talk about engineers who can't speak English and ops folks who say something is broken and the, the engineers that say the logs are clean. What are you talking about? Becca, you're blowing my mind with how you present information. That's how I've gotten everything I've gotten in my career it's is I so understand the cool. – Well, I understand how do the people I'm talking to need to have this information communicated to yeah. them. And it's not how am I comfortable giving this information. It's how can I make sure this information gets received and understood and taken the way I want it to be taken and understood. Yeah. And so like my favorite words that I use all the time, I'm like a broken record, is I'll get into a meeting and I'll say, stop. What's the problem we're trying to solve? And everyone will like take a deep breath and then it's, this thing is broken. Yeah, no, fine. That thing is broken. Why does this thing exist? What is the problem we are trying to solve here? And half the time we'll go in being like, can we do this solution? And then it turns out that that solution is just like one prong of a bigger picture. And if we look at this bigger picture instead of just the prong, then we can address it in a more holistic way and build a sustainable system. Now, I don't know what that sustainable system is, but I'm in a room of people that can help get us there. So by simply asking, stop, what's the problem we're trying to solve and zooming out the lens and ensuring we're all speaking the same language about what the problem is, I'm now facilitating a proactive, productive conversation between the right stakeholders to be able to actually build the best thing. And so my lack of fucks to give about what's actually happening under the surface, under the hood of a database, Mm. is not a liability. My ability to make sure that those people are in the room with the ops people who are using the feature and make sure we're all speaking the same language as we're designing our system, that's what I'm bringing to the table. Wow. And that's what you said in your interview? Um, (laughs) Well, in my interview, I basically said my name is Potential. I talked about the cultural translating thing a lot, that one of my goals is to be able to translate between technical and non-technical teams. Right. You know, you're going to need to invest a lot of time, energy, and effort to make you be good at this. But I'm very confident that I will get good at this. Yeah. And what's funny is I, you know, so when I went for my lunch with Steve, I went to Jono afterwards and I was like, hey, uh, who's my recruiter? My recruiter is Lindsay. Can you introduce me to Lindsay? Yeah. There's no reason I should be able to meet my recruiter in person during the interview process, but I happen to be at the office already because I happen to have these relationships. Yeah. So I met her. Hi, I'm a person. You like me. I'm cool. I'm fun. Don't you want me as your coworker? Fast forward my, uh, my onsite interview is some amount of time later and I'm at the BART station. Yeah. uh, and I see her walk down the stairs at the BART station. I rode BART home with my recruiter the night before my on-site interview. Wow. Which is the train in San Francisco for oh. those of you that aren't familiar. So to Angelinos, there's this notion called public transportation that the government <laughs> funds uh, these, these, these large vehicles. And then they have these like predetermined stops and schedules. And people like instead of driving, it's wild. I know they like get on this vessel and then it moves them. at a, Yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> but, um, right. And so, like, you know, I sort of had this sense 
pretty early on in the Reddit process that like this job is mine to lose. And it was true, but it wasn't because my mentor worked at Reddit. It wasn't because I sent an email to Steve and had a lunch with him. It was the other way around. It was, I manifested this and it was a good fit for me and a good fit for them. And they recognized, oh, we want somebody who's got this kind of determination. Right. Now, this was pre-COVID. I was 25. I don't have that kind of fight in me now. And I think a lot of us don't have that kind of yeah. fight in us now. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, like, the hustle porn is cool thing is, like, that's not where we are in the world today. Before we move there, and I so resonate with what you're saying, and then you got the job. Oh, and then I got the job. And let's, <laughs> so, actually, I got I got two offers, Yeah. Um, one for Reddit and one for, for Bloomberg. And Bloomberg's offer was about 30% more money up front. Mm. And what's interesting is that my friend who referred me – uh, the offer they gave me, I nailed that interview, like absolutely nailed it, was the same as she was making on that <gasps> day. And I told her what my offer was, and she said, congratulations, that's incredible. What the actual fuck? And the next thing she did was she marched into her manager's office and said, what the actual fuck, and went and got herself a raise. So oh. that's the talk. Hi, this is a team sport. Salary transparency is important. Okay. So anyways, I got these two offers. So Jono did not just refer me to a job at Reddit. He referred me to a job on his team. Oh, Let's talk about compliments for a minute, right? You talk about these VCs fund people showing up to your birthday party and showing I see you as a person. Hi, I believe in you, and I will tie my professional success to your professional success. My desk was next to his for my first four months on the job, and my manager was another Hackbright mentor who I knew. And so I reached out to to the manager, uh, Prashant's his name. He's still at Reddit, and the, the thing I really want to acknowledge about him is that he has the most gorgeous, luscious hair you will ever see. (laughs) He uh, introduced me to the curly hair subreddit. And like this man, I swear is Samson. Like his locks are (laughs) incredible. This deserves all of the time, energy and attention. Um, I think Corey, you said his name, your editor, keep this in. Um, (laughs) This is the stuff that people need to know. And so I messaged him and I basically said, hey, you know, like my recruiter told me all these things over the phone. And actually, let's get very real for a minute. I woke up to a text message from somebody I knew in college who we are not friends anymore to say, hello, call me when you get this. And I messaged a mutual friend. I was like, this person just messed me. What's going on? And yeah. we're, I'm going to get very real for a minute. And yeah. I call, she goes, can I call you right now? And she had moved across the world. Yeah. And she said, you know, our, uh, our friend Michael, he, uh, he killed himself. <gasps> and the day that I received a job offer from Reddit, and a job offer from Bloomberg, I went back and forth between those phone calls and calling people from college I hadn't spoken to in years saying, hi, long time no talk, wow. our friend died. And so, you know, when I had the conversation with my recruiter, you know, are you, are you just the most excited you've ever been? Oh. Hi, Lindsay. I'm super excited. Thank you so much. Um, can I come in again tomorrow to have you repeat all of this information, please? And I messaged Prashant and I said, hey, uh, can we have lunch tomorrow? I'm coming in to meet with Lindsay this time. with love Yeah. Her. And so, you know, Lindsay told me all the stuff, whatever. And I was like, look, the, the offer at the other company, it's, it's significantly higher. And she yeah. said, look, we're offering you a seat on a rocket ship. You can take it or not. And I went to Prashant and I said, look, that other offer is a lot more money. Like, if I take this one, am I free to mess up? If I make mistakes, am I okay? Like, what's the pressure here? And he yeah. goes, your job is to learn and grow. And we have the utmost faith in you that you're going to learn and grow and be yeah. successful here. And so I knew from the jump that, like, the people and the environment was mm. what I was going to need to thrive here. Yeah. Okay, so let's say you have multiple offers that you're trying to figure out, like, where do I want to go? Or, like, how do I suss out if this place is actually going to be a good fit for me? Some of the questions that are super valuable to ask include, what does your onboarding look like? 
what kind of experience do you have onboarding junior engineers? What sort of policies do you have around mistakes and like how how's that culture? And really lean into like what kind of support do you have for me? Because it's going to be hard and particularly if it's remote, like it's it's going to be hard, right? Am I coming in alone or is there like a cohort of people I'll be onboarding with? Yeah. Right? What, what sort of structures, like how will I be set up for success here? And these questions can seem like you're being needy, right? The market right now is in a weird spot, a weird spot. So the idea of asking any questions that may make someone be like, mm, I think she's going to be difficult. Let's pull this off her. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. But also you need to set yourself up for success. Yeah. It's really scary to ask questions. And also it's a sign not to be hokey with my words, but it's a sign of self-love to ask questions. If you don't ask the questions in end, you're going to be the person that gets punished. But it's because you didn't ask the questions. I had a conversation this morning as something that I was afraid to ask questions about because I I didn't want to be a bother. And I'm like, if I don't know this, I'm going to end up with a huge bill. (laughs) I need to know. Right. It was a conference that wants to book me. And when they sent me the flights, they included the price, but they're supposed to be covering the price, the the thing. And I was like, I better say something. And so I said, just to clarify, this is being covered by you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, so it's important. But I was afraid of being a bother with this like super fancy conference. Right. Well, and you did something really smart there where you also put it in writing. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was on we purpose. We love in writing people. Oh, my God. Putting things on the record. Yeah. Chef's kiss. If you have a conversation with people and you make a decision at the end of a meeting, the email that says, like, hey, just to make sure, here's the bullets, here's what we agreed upon, yeah. whether that's a, like how we're going to technically build this feature or what we just discussed of what it's going to take for me or for you to put in for yeah. my promotion. Oh, my God. Get that in writing. I think there's so many things that you and I both want to explore and one that's like headspace working in this world and just headspace in general, as well as what it's like to be you in your role today. For you organically, what direction would you like us to go in? I know before we started recording, we were both so excited to get into the real of it, you know? Uh, so there was a mental health thing that you mentioned earlier that I, I want to tell a story because I've definitely told the story a lot to people like in various places, but I feel like I haven't actually like done the, like, I, I say this as if I'm some public figure who like, I haven't made a public statement yet, whatever. Um, but I want to <laughs> talk about the mental health thing and mental health at the workplace because I had an incredibly positive experience having a full on mental breakdown. And I want to, oh. sh- to share that like this happens, this is possible. And here's something to ask for that you didn't even know was on the table. Wow. I'm, All right. I'm here for it. So here's the story. So like everyone else on earth had a rough time during the pandemic. Uh, we all had different stories. We all had different issues, whatever. Um, but I, uh, I spent a while living with my folks and then I ended up moving to LA and not resolving all, you know, a lot of issues, whatnot. And I ended up, you know, getting to the stage at work where like my mental health was kind of getting worse and worse and worse. And I'd been telling my manager kind of over one-on-ones, like, I'm not in a great headspace. I'm not going doing great. This isn't particularly sustainable, but like, you know, we're going, we're going. And then it hit the point sort of, this was now two, two plus years ago where I, I recognized, and here's the exact verbiage. It's, I'm not currently at risk to myself or others. Mm. I'm nervous about this changing in the near future. Mm. And it was a time before I was like, I hadn't gotten myself back in therapy. I hadn't got myself, like I, I had been running away from myself for a long time. And it was like, it's time to like, actually deal with my stuff. And I went to my manager in a one-on-one and I said, look, I'm not okay. I'm talking to HR in two hours. You're firing me. I'm quitting or I'm going on leave. 
tell me what we're doing. I'm not at risk to myself or others. And I'm nervous about this changing in the near future. And for me, it got bad enough that it was about like, how do I save my life? Like I was at that point, not a good employee, but it was also like, I'm not good. Right. I've, yeah. I've talked a lot about relationships and, you know, making sure that you're building rapport with people as people. Yeah. Right. Like at that point, I'm not an engineer, right? I'm a right. human. And like, I'll right. add that when, when she started managing me, you know, a year or so prior to that, the first thing she said to me was like, have you lost weight? You look stressed. And it wasn't a, like, she, she's like, a, you know, a mom who's 15 yeah, years yeah, old. Yeah. It sounds like a really disconcerting thing to say, but like she knew me in the real world and could see in my body something was off. And right. it was like, oh yeah, I haven't really been eating for the last two months because I've been so stressed and thank you for seeing me. And she was like, how can we get you in a place that you're doing better? Oh, wow. Right. It was, it was, a, it was a human thing, right? So yeah. build human relationships and then you can get human support from yeah. people. <laughs> Um, so anyways, I said this to her and she was like, I don't know if this can be paid. And I was like, fine, I don't, I don't care. Like at this point that let's just get me like what, what not. And she said, you're going to go on leave, talk to HR and let me know. And I talked to HR and they said, let's do this. We're going to get you on FMLA, which is the like California has this. It's basically we're gonna put you on disability. And they were like, we're going to get you hundred percent fully paid. And so Reddit paid a portion, the state of California paid a portion, and we worked with a third-party provider to, to cover the gap. And I was able to get a three-month fully paid mental health leave. Wow. And this happened in the, like, fall-ish of 2021? 21. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I tell this story for a few reasons. Number one, we're all going through it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's hard. It, it's just – it's hard to be a person. And, like, you know, we were talking before the show about yeah. just, like – yeah, you know, there's some, you know, mental stuff. So, you know, sorry for being this way or that way. Yeah, it's like I mean, no, for I'm very vulnerable publicly. I've been struggling with more severe anxiety the last couple of weeks. I've had anxiety a lot over the years, but like the last couple of weeks have been really intense. And so when I walked in to the studio today, my anxiety levels high and it wasn't like it wasn't just like shaking off. And I'm just like, I don't know how I seem on the outside if it's so obvious that. I'm like a shit show in the inside. And so I just said it out loud. I'm like, if I come off any type of way, it has zero to do with you. And what's funny is I'm like, number one, you seem fine. Number two, like we've never met before. So the yeah. way the way that you are is the way you are as far as I, I'm concerned. I value and honor that you exist and you're here. Yeah. And I I don't take that lightly with Same, any though. of our guests. I want to show up 100% out of respect and honor for my guests. Sure. And when I feel like I can't for some reason, like my anxiety today, I'm like, no, like anxiety, go away. I need to be showing up 100%, 110%. And totally. so it was frustrating. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that like I hear when people say that and I'm like, okay, cool. That's, uh, yeah, you're a person. If you're not a little mentally spicy, then like what is <laughs> mentally happening? Mentally spicy. Man, oh, yeah, am like, I mentally spicy? Right. Like, we, we all got some mental spice in That's there. That's funny. And, and if not, then like, might I consider doing some reflection? Cause I yeah. guarantee there's some spice in there yeah. for everyone. And anyways, like, and telling my manager, I need this and her being like, yeah, you're fine. It wasn't a question anymore. It wasn't a, do I have your permission? It was a, I need to fall apart and I'm going to do it whether I'm pretending to work or not. You know, I really credit that for, for saving my life. And I credit it for giving me the time and the space to like, take a step back. And one of the things I've really been grappling with now is, you know, the writer strike is happening and the actor strike is happening in LA is like really struggling with a large segment of the population not yeah. being able to work is I'm feeling this tremendous luck of 
being able to work and being able to have mm. a stable salary. And I'm kind of watching all these people fall apart in different ways and realizing like, oh, if you don't make enough money, you're not going to be able to get health insurance and you're not able to work because of a strike. So you're definitely not going to be able to make enough money. And I'm sitting there being like, how do you sit here in tech and feel okay? Because mm. there's so many things in tech that yeah. are, we're so privileged, we're so fortunate. And then we feel guilty for using the resources that we have at our disposal. Mm. And there has to be this way to appreciate that what we have can be, not always is, can be special and different and like how it should be for everyone. Mm. And so the reason I tell this story is that I'm, I feel so fortunate to have been able to then come back to a job where like it, it was a little rocky getting me back. Yeah. Right. It was a little rocky coming up to speed. And, you know, I got back and I would talk to people and they'd be like, hey, long time no talk. You know, how have you been? I'd be like, well, I just got back from mental health leave. And because we're remote and they didn't, you know, see me every day before, they didn't see me every day during. And like, it was fine. Right. And it's yeah. totally fine. And I, I really respect people who take a step back and say, what do I need for me so that I can be okay moving forward? Mm. And it's so much harder to like, even in college, right? Like to take the semester off so you can deal with your stuff and then graduate a semester yeah. late is so much scarier than just like struggling totally. through. Totally. I talked about this on one of the episodes. There was a period in my life where I couldn't walk for five months. Oh I was God. in severe pain and Oof. I instinctively knew the day that it started that it was probably because I overworked myself and that I wasn't honoring the universe to slow down. So the universe was like, okay, we'll just wipe you out. Right. Well, now you're forced to slow down. And so I'm so conscious of how I'm showing up for myself because I never want to be in that severe pain again. <laughs> and I'm like, I swear, I'll stop. I'll sleep more. I'll eat more vegetables. Just don't put me through that. <laughs> totally. Well, and then like, it's like, I'm, I'm going to be better. And then for the first, you know, however long you're going to be yeah. super diligent. And then you just fall off a little 100%. bit. I'm like, we're all human. Yeah. And I think that there's something so special about being able to be like really vulnerable and honest. Like, how you're doing? And like, even when I start one-on-ones, when people ask me like, yeah. how are you? If you say, I'm good, how are you? You're not going to have a real conversation no, with anybody. No, 100%. But if you say, do you want the real answer? Sure. Well, honestly, I'm really blah, blah, blah for yeah. whatever reason. And then you can have a real conversation as people. Yeah. And if you aren't vulnerable with other people, they're not going to be vulnerable with you. And if they're not going to be vulnerable with you, then like, what's the point? And I also hope that there's space in our society for people to be happy. And what I mean by that <laughs> is sometimes... <laughs> I feel like when things are good, like I have one of my best girlfriends will say, she's not on social media, so I don't feel like I'm a baby. <laughs> She'll say she doesn't tell anybody how happy she is in her marriage because it gets so much like backlash. I'm like, I feel stoked. I get to know what a great marriage you have. <laughs> you know? Totally. And I do think there's just like this weird thing of like happiness if you're doing well needs to be like kept to yourself because other people will feel like threatened by someone else's success or like uncomfortable like all these things so I would love a society where we celebrate people feeling great and support people when they're not feeling so great rather than like having our own ish projected onto other people's lives. I This is why I love our conversation so much. It's all about if you want something, be proactive. And if you haven't gotten the thing that you've been proactive about for a long time, ask yourself, how can I switch it up? How can I do things differently? Yeah. None of us are entitled to anything. We're the main character in our story and we all kind of decide 
oh, this is what needs to happen to me. This is when I need to be married by. This is, you know, when you're a little kid, you get yeah. married by then, go to college by then, get it, all the, you know, the in every culture, over. there's mm-hmm. all these scripts, you know? Like, who who decided these things? Like, well, these actually, are things are not in our control. No, and I actually think that we do so much self-policing. Like, we've talked a lot yeah. about the various ceilings we put on ourselves. And, like, one of my big hopes about, like, and, like, why I wanted to talk today is I think I have a really good way of very tangibly articulating, like, no, you're putting a boundary on yourself. That yeah. doesn't mean you're a bad person. That doesn't mean you're a good person. Yeah. It's just a thing that you are doing. Own your shit is one of my, like, big things 100%. in life. Right? If you're if you're the good guy right now, if you're the asshole right now, like I, yeah. I read this New York Times article uh, that this therapist was talking about how Taylor Swift has rocked her therapy process, uh, practice as people keep coming in with Taylor Swift lyrics and all of these themes of really? the notion of eras. Right? Wait, are Be- you a Swifty? Yeah. Okay. Well, but I'm a new Swifty though. Okay, because I don't know much about Taylor, so, so I'm calling myself out. And I know she just performed and everything's all you about in? it. Yeah, call me in. Okay, sure. great. So I was 15 when 15 came out, right? So, like, I am the core demo. And the media narrative— Is that her album or something? Yeah, uh, 15 okay. is a song about being 15. Okay. My point is I am the age of her following. Like, okay. She was a young woman with a guitar writing songs. Okay. I was also a young woman with a guitar writing songs. Yeah. The media about her was like, but all she talks about is boys and therefore we hate her. And That's all what of that I know. misogyny— <laughs> yeah. And all of that misogyny— I internalized it, and therefore I didn't like Taylor Swift. I didn't Mm. give her a chance. And I think things that young women like we often dismiss. And then as I got older, you know, she continued to be huge. She actually filmed a thing at my college uh, for VH1 Storytellers, and I got a free ticket to go. And I remember thinking, like, well, I think I'd find her kind of annoying as a friend, but I guess I have to admit she's talented. And I was, like, bummed to have to admit it. Long story short, Folklore Evermore came out. I loved those albums. They're phenomenal. Strong wreck to go back and listen. And then I went back to the beginning of her catalog. I was like, actually, she's an absolute genius um a mastermind if you will um and that's a song just i think yeah, yeah yeah but the swifties Thank i you. see you so yeah um <laughs> did, oh actually this one's fun too did i get to go to the last night of the eras tour in la with floor seats because a guy i met at a bar in west hollywood messaged me on instagram and was like you seem like you'd be fun to go to this concert with can i offer you a face value Wait, floor actually seat? actually relationships how do you even trust that well <laughs> the question gary is how did you trust me this man sent me a 450 dollars ticket before i had venmoed him and was like i know you're good for it and i was like i know i'm good for it too but you're dumb um that's great okay keep going anyways <laughs> but the reason i brought her up is because the eras tour the whole thing is like she's put out you know 10 albums at this point and you know it's i'm in my this era i'm in yeah. my villain era yeah. i'm in my hero era yeah. i'm in my whatever and it's not i am a villain I am a hero. I'm a good person. I'm a bad person. Yeah. I'm in this era right now. I'm in this chapter right, right now. And so I think for us in our lives to own that, like, this is the place I'm in right now. This is, you know, peppering in everything I do. It's tinted by what's happening in the background right now. And now I'm still me and I'm still whatnot. So, you know, you're talking about wanting people to be able to be, you know, really public with their joy. Yeah. Let's be public with our joy. But yeah. let's also be public with our sadness and let's also be public mm. with our vulnerability and let's create space where people can be open and real and honest with us. And then we can have these spaces where we can be open, real and honest with them. hundred percent. So to bring 100%. it more into a professional yeah. lens. So I'd start at Reddit. Yeah. Right? I think I'm being punked. Then they hand me a laptop and a hoodie and, you know, San Francisco yeah, tech yeah. hoodie is, oh my God, it's you're, a thing. you're everything. Well, now yeah. it's a cliche, but then it was cool. Don't tell me that wasn't true. Please just let me own this one. And no, it, it I, really was. A it was, so, yeah. it was so, walking around with a so Reddit cool. hoodie. Oh my, I, so I cool. miss 
I miss tech circa like 2005, 2006. So then I start, right? And I realize I have so many questions because I don't know how to do anything. And I've been given my mentor, you know, and I feel incredibly comfortable asking him questions, but I don't want to overburden him or he's going to hate me. So I say, great. How am I going to become successful here? I have a million questions. Right. I need to be able to, to spread those questions out so no one wants to kill me. Okay, I need friends. Yeah. I need friends. So I never ate a meal at my desk so I can meet people. Oh, that's right? tough. Well, yes. sorry. I'm, I'm, I know it may not seem it, but I'm very introverted. So I just pictured myself like that, that internal feeling of like just wanting to stay safe and alone and like with my lunch in a corner. It's like, I'm going to push myself to go <laughs> eat with people. It sounds terrifying. Well, and not everyone did it every day, right? But like I would show up no, around the same time. Well, and, and, and breakfast was really where it was at because breakfast was a smaller crew of people. Yeah. And it was roughly the same people every day who showed up around the same time-ish. So like, yeah. you get to know those people. And then at lunch, you go and you sit down next to one of them. And they're with someone on their team. Totally. And like it's the natural thing that happened in, in the world. And I'll add that like I was not a popular kid in school. Like that's never been my experience. And like then I show up at this company where like culturally it was a really good fit for yeah. me, right? It was a let your freak flag fly and be you and people will accept you that yeah. way, which is awesome. And that's why I've been there for five years. Because then it was like, do we have a like a women in eng group? Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, we we talked about it a year ago. Really? Well, this was five years okay. ago. Um, and they were like, well, we talked about it a little bit ago, but we didn't have enough women in engineering. And I was like, well, do we now? Yeah, probably. Great. I'll be one of the leads. Who else wants to do this? And I helped Love. start the Women in Eng group because I needed more people to ask questions to and I wasn't going to become a leader off of my technical skills. Right, right. Did I mention I'd been doing this for 10 minutes? And so great. Now people start knowing me through that. Yeah. Great. And now I'm meeting more people and I'm learning right, right, more right. and I'm getting better. Um, oh, a word, a word on imposter syndrome. I got over it day two on the job. Let me tell you the story. Okay. Here's why. So I I'm sit, like in suspense. It's, uh, someone murdered someone else and I no. watched. No. Uh, I'm like, tell me no. the secret. Okay, I so, have imposter syndrome all the time. So I sit down at breakfast and I'm sitting across from this guy and hi, yeah. I'm Becca. I'm new. Oh, I'm Brian. I'm new. Nice to meet you. Oh, you weren't in my onboarding class. Why? Oh, I'm a contractor. Oh, well, what do you do? You know, oh, you know, they brought me on. I'm, I work uh, in this language. I'm, you know, rewriting this system, whatever. And I said, oh, cool. Like, What's your background? Oh, well, I you know, was the primary contributor on this open source language. I worked at Mozilla for 20 years. Like, I am industry, industry, know what I'm doing. And I say, okay, cool. I went to a three-month coding boot camp and have been doing this for 10 minutes. Uh, I'm new. Like, right. what advice do you have? Yeah. And the first thing this man who has been in the industry for two decades and wrote a fucking coding language did was he started talking about imposter syndrome. And he started talking about how he doesn't think he's good enough and <gasps> he doesn't think he's worthy and he doesn't think that no. he's earned what he does. And, and he, he started talking about how he's an imposter. And I sat there in that moment and I was like, okay, great. So if you have been doing this for two decades yeah, and we just hired you to like rewrite the way that we parse text for posts and comments on one of the largest websites in the world yeah, and, and you, and you're not good enough. Yeah. Well then I'm never going to be good enough. Wow. So fuck it. <gasps> I'm good enough. I don't know if I could do that. Well, and here's I what, don't know if I could do that. Well, but fuck it. I'm good enough. So what is my job? I'm not going to compare myself to the people around me. I'm going to compare myself to me three months ago. My job as a junior engineer at this place is to learn, is to grow, is to improve. Mm. So am I asking better questions? Are things that used to take me two weeks taking me less than two weeks now? Great. 
I'm doing better. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm doing my job. Are there things that, you know, three months ago, I would have been like, I can't even begin to imagine how I would design a system. And now today I'm like, okay, I have an, an idea of a proposal of how I might design this system. I don't know if it's good, but now I at least have enough of a vocabulary of what are the Legos here that I can put together. Oh, I'm growing. Mm. And instead of being like, there's someone else on my team that could have done 10 times as much stuff in half the time to say, three months ago, me couldn't even fathom this. I'm killing it. Can I be vulnerable with you about something? No. <laughs> I've been doing this podcast. It's I think it's either eight or nine. I, I started in 2013. I, I produced hundreds of video content for the sports industry, action sports industry. Cool. I share this to say – so at this point, I've probably produced around a thousand podcast episodes, maybe more. I have no idea. Just a lot, right? Yeah. And I've interviewed some of the biggest names in the world and technology, et cetera, et cetera. My whole reason to say this is I still feel like I'm not good enough at pod. I see some of the the um, my peers, in, in industry peers, I don't know them, right, in the space like Stephen Barlett, Diary of a CEO, or this new podcaster, Bobby Altoff. She's a comedic podcaster. Or Alexandra Cooper with Call Her Daddy. Oh, and I watch them so eloquently with their own personality interview people and how, and how they – the, their, their tone of voice or – I watch everything and I, I just – yeah, I still even with all my, you know, alleged accolades, I struggle with imposter syndrome all the time. And sometimes, and this is what I'm talking about in the last couple of weeks, it's been like really intense anxiety because like something in my brain is like, why are you even trying? You're not good enough. Why are yeah. you even trying at this thing? And it it feels like it's gotten louder. And I'm like, what is this like loud voice in like chill out. Like, yeah. Let me just do my thing. All right. And so, yeah, I, I wish that I could do what you did that day and understand like even the most, you know, prestigious people have imposter syndrome. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can get there. Well, here's, here's the other thing. Number one is my therapist and I talk a lot about that judgmental voice in the back of, in the back of my head. Like I'll say something about, you know, I'm so lazy that I can't even like, you know, fold my laundry, the amount of clean laundry that I have in my apartment. Like I probably have a month's worth of clean underwear, both in the dryer and on my shelf. Cause I just keep buying more. And then I'm like, why is it so overwhelming to do two months of laundry at one time? <laughs> I don't, right. Like I can relate. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm just so lazy. And she's like, whose voice is that? Who is the person in your head mm -hmm. telling you your way of existing is trash? I'm like, stop being practical and feel goody. Let me hate myself, please. And she's like, what? Like, wh why are you looking for those reasons? And so I think calling out whose voice is that? How is that serving me? How is that not serving me? Mm. Has been a really helpful tool. And that doesn't get me through it. That doesn't yeah, mean there yeah, are yeah. days where like, <laughs> I definitely feel sometimes like I'll be speaking in a meeting and I'll watch people really intently listening and like taking notes and I am their gospel. I am their source of truth. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You, you don't want that. Like yeah. if, if I'm the adult in the room, we're in bad shape. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. And then I hear myself say that. I feel like, or, you know, I feel the voice in my head say that. And then I think for a minute and I'm like, actually, I should be in this yeah. room and it's really good that I'm the one, right? And just being honest with ourselves about where that voice is coming from, I find really helpful. And, and I'll also say early in my career, that attitude was super easy, right? Because I never expected myself to be a good engineer. Like I kind of feel like it was a supreme joke yeah. that I stumbled into yeah, this yeah, thing yeah, that yeah, I happened yeah. to be good enough at to pester my way in with like, you know, songwriting and humor. And now I like have a big, fancy, important sounding job. 
part of what has kept me at this job for this long is that interviewing is terrifying because I know how to interview with, hello, my name is Potential. But when I'm interviewing for senior and staff level yeah. positions, I'm not coming in with, teach me things. I don't know. Yeah. Ideally, I'm coming in with, I can have impact right on the ground. Right. I can have you know impact from, from the get-go. Yeah. And that's when my imposter syndrome voice of like, you're not really technical enough. And like, I that, put that ceiling on myself. That word impact. The reason why I show up to this podcast is for impact, to create like meaningful impact, to, to have a life that's very purposeful. And when I see these other podcasters that I admire and I see the impact that I am feeling by experiencing their shows, then I start to question. It's not the interview process with you right now or any of the other guests. It's not that. It's am I delivering as effective an impact that those shows – those other shows I admire are delivering to me and I start to have imposter syndrome. Like, what if I'm not, what if I'm not doing that? Can I play with that for a minute? Yeah. Okay, great. So you're not, so what? I'd feel terrible if I'm not. Okay. So what? Well, not, not like the, okay. So you are not delivering the scale of impact as caller daddy. Like it's a different podcast. I don't mean audience. I mean, impact, like individual impact. I don't mean audience. Like, but sure, but yeah. then, then I think it gets into like, what is our why, right? Like, with Call Her Daddy, the impact is that I think a generation of women feel really supported as they go through womanhood to yeah. understand about finances, to understand about relationships. Understand. I think she's doing an excellent job cool. at supporting for uh, for Stephen Bart Diary of CEO. I think it's about vulnerability in leadership primarily and like showing the real, real on becoming a leader and becoming a business owner, becoming a leading creative. Uh, with Bobby Altoff, her comedic timing and bravery in in stepping into this comedic character and how she delivers and commits to the character is so courageous. And I'm just like, wow. And so with Bobby, I'm like laughing. With Steven, I'm feeling like empowered. With Alex, I'm feeling informed. And I'm like, I hope I'm doing the thing. Like, you know, I hope people listening are walking away feeling that they have the resource they need to succeed and accelerate in their profession because that's why I'm showing up so that people could move ahead. And I just, I don't know, seeing how eloquent these other podcasters um, in recent years have been. Like it's it's just giving me a lot of imposter syndrome. Like mm. I, I hope I'm – because I've been doing this so long, five or more years ago, I was – I was that. I was the, the top dog or whatever. You know what I mean? Badass. Yeah, and because there wasn't a lot of like competition. Sure. And now that there's people who have been like honing their craft for, for you know differently as the years have gone on, and I admire their craft so much, I'm just like, ah, is my is my craft evolved? I don't know. I so, hope so. Something yeah. that I think a lot about is that like the things that come so easily and so naturally to me, I tend to downplay the significance of them because they're not necessarily hard. I actually love this stuff because so much of my own story has been clouded by some externalized voice of I don't even know who preventing me from coming and living my life. And really, it was this mental breakdown that made me start deciding, like, I'm going to live my life on my terms. And then shockingly, things got better in pretty much every way. And like Tucker Max's stories are are the example of what happens when someone's like, I'm just going to do the thing with no consequences or like with no perception of consequences. I have so many questions for you. The chapter of Tucker where I 
got to meet him. He has been the most positive, empowering business mentor. And one of the (laughs) most important things he said to me is the reason why I find certain things easy is because I'm an expert in those things. And it's selfish for me not to share how other people can get there. And there was a lot of it. Speaking of imposter syndrome, there's a lot of imposter syndrome when I'm like, that's so easy and simple. That's not worth it saying anything nobody will find value he's like it's easy and simple for you like <laughs> right well, and like you know I, I mentioned earlier this like blog post i'm thinking about writing or i'm in the process of like how do you ask a question and i feel so condescending literally putting pen to paper you know fingers yeah. to keyboard to be like ask the question you know I'm trying to blank, like writing out this template that just feels so duh. And then I imagine someone who's never thought about it that way before reading that and going, oh, that's super simple. I can do that. Thank you. And so the not gatekeeping the life pro tips is huge, right? Like one of my favorite things to advise folks on when it comes to talking to their managers, right? When they want to seem both competent and recognize that like, I'm I'm brand new at this. I'm brand new to this team, to this domain, whatever. I'm not delivering impact the way that many of my peers are. So don't frame it in terms of how little you're doing. Frame it in terms of how much more you're doing now than you were doing three months ago. Mm. Right? So, you know, you gave me this ticket this week, and I was thinking about the fact that I did a really similar ticket six months ago, and it took me three weeks to figure that out, and then I busted it out in an hour. And I'm super proud of myself for that. Yeah. And instead of telling your manager all I was able to do was this one thing, or maybe it took you a week, two weeks, yeah. whatever – all you're telling them is, I am delivering more value than I was three months ago. That's the real narrative you're sending. Mm. I love how empowering you've been through this whole conversation. I just, I feel like you've dropped, this has really been a masterclass in interviewing and belief in self. Thank I you. feel like, I feel like everybody listening can walk away. If anything, I want to have the team put together like some sort of PDF with like the takeaways from from our chat because it's so... I mean, it's something I think about all the time is that we get in our own way. The whole thing, the anxiety thing, the imposter syndrome, the not asking. Yeah. And like, you know, when you were talking about, you know, the imposter syndrome you feel and like, well, what if I'm not delivering? Like one of my favorite mental exercises to do with myself is to say, so what? What if the worst case scenario is actually happening, right? Yeah. I'm going to put up a pull request that, you know, may make some engineer look at me and be like, hey, you actually have a logical gap here. Yeah. So what? Oh, great. That means I'm not going to ship that logical gap to production. Great. Mm. Right? What if I ask a question and someone thinks I'm stupid? So what? Oh, they're an asshole. Great. I've now identified somebody that I probably don't want to work with in the future, and I've protected myself a lot of future, Mm. you know, whatever. Great. Love that. I was talking to a a mentee recently that was like, I really want to get to, like, deploy something to production because every other intern is doing that, and I don't want to miss out on this important skill. And I was like, I need to stop you right there. What? You think that in your internship in college, if you don't deploy a service, you're going to like miss out on your entire career because you don't have this one skill at this one company at this time and place as if in six months from now, the entire process of doing this isn't going to be completely different. And at the next company you work at, it's not going to look completely different from this. And he was like, well, I just want the chance to learn. And I was like, can I tell you a better way to frame it? I go, you're done here in two weeks. So let's say you ship something out to production. What happens when it breaks? Who's going to maintain it? Who's going to fix the vulnerability when, you know, when some security issue gets found and one of the third-party libraries you use? Like, who's going to deal with that? By not deploying a service to production, you're doing a tremendous favor to your team. By not 
putting a problem on their plate in the future. What you're saying is, hey, I could do this thing short term for me for ego reasons. But when I think mm. about what the need is for the business and for the team, I'm recognizing that this is not actually ready to be productionized in a long term sustainable way. Yeah. So let's not do it. Instead, I'm going to document out what I think the plan should be yeah. to get it from here to some productionizable way. Great. What did you learn at this internship? That's such a more valuable learning right. of like what you learn than like I learned what to type into my terminal to like yeah. make something happen. Something I a permission that I've been giving myself lately is I've been giving myself the permission to experiment. That's been really interesting and difficult. Our conversation today is an example of that. It, it started a few weeks ago. I shared on one of the interviews that I just I've been doing this for so many years. I and I admire Dyer CEO's vulnerability so much. And she's like, so have the conversations you want to have. And I said, but I feel like I'm supposed to be having this other type of conversation. She's like, no, have the conversation you want to have. And so the conversations I want to have are these conversations about the human experience. And so a lot of the stuff that we haven't uh, talked about, at least not yet, I do hope we get to it, but we spent the majority of our time chatting about the human experience with so many practical, actionable takeaways, which I love. Conversations in the past would have probably, I would have probably been like, okay, what's your day-to-day look like? And and what are you working on? And, you know, more just job focused. Mm-hmm. And that was fine until it wasn't fine anymore. I just really believe we're, we're architects of our reality. And mm-hmm. I just want to empower everyone on how that's possible. And and that does not mean a job title or a status marker or anything. It, it's really about the human experience. That sounds so cheesy how I'm it, saying it. It, but. it really does. But like the worst part of those cliches is that they're true. Like it's it's infuriating when it's like just pave your own path based on what you want. Like I don't know what I want. I'm a yeah. human trying to get up, ideally have health insurance and be able to pay my rent. Right. Like, I am not deeply passionate about insert name of thing here. So if a recruiter asks me, like, yeah. why do you feel passionate about, you know, I don't even know what, like I haven't done yeah. interviewing in a while. You know, why do you feel, I don't, I just, I want to be yeah. able to get paid for decent work-life balance and have coworkers that I enjoy spending yeah. the time with. Yeah. And that that's acceptable, period. And it feels like it shouldn't be. <laughs> A lot of what I do, you know, now when I've done is thinking about what are we optimizing for personal life, professional life, whatever, right? You want to build a system that is quick to build. Okay, great. You're probably going to be adding to the tech debt that you have, right? You're probably going to be writing code that's not particularly sustainable. Yeah. Okay. That's a choice. Well, what are the costs of that choice? Yeah. Great. Let's say it's a few years down the line and something breaks for whatever reason and this thing is really brittle. You don't work at the company anymore and now no one understands how this thing works. And right. It's actually really hard to improve the system because there isn't good documentation on it yeah. and the whole thing is spaghetti on top of spaghetti. Yeah. Well, great. You got your feature out quickly. You were able to you know, get the promotion based on, you know, I'm here to deliver this impact and whatever. That's what you were optimizing yeah. for. Okay, great. I'm optimizing for building a scalable system. That means it's going to take me, I'm making this up, three times as long because I need to you know, spin up a new kind of service and there's going to be new, more infrastructure stuff. And so we got to coordinate between these, these teams. But what that means is that this is going to be a self-driving machine yeah. that you know, we're not going to have to worry about these little brittle things. Is one right? Is one wrong? Well, if you're a tiny startup where you have three engineers and you're just trying to get a product you know, out the door, right. 
you probably don't need something that you're optimizing for five years from now. What does this look like? Like you need a feature, you need a button someone can click that does a thing. Doesn't yeah. have to be pretty. The button has to work. And as you you know, as you grow as a business, right? Like yeah. you need to be thinking about different things. And so like the thing that keeps me in what I do is that I've gotten to watch this place go from a 350 person to a 2000 person company and it's the crazy. kinds of it's absolutely insane the kinds of decisions that we make the kind of things we think about and the kind of doors that I get to sit in meetings behind just because of proximity and kind of what I do that right. the things I get to learn it's fascinating you know I really like the people I work with I like the work life balance and I feel really supported and valued as myself and that's yeah. great yeah um look it's a business there's plenty of of bs as there is anywhere but right now it's working for me um, as far as kind of what does my day to day look like, it really depends, yeah. right? Which is I hate that answer, but it, but it's true, right? There's there's some things to, I, like I can't really go in the weeds of what exactly I'm building, but something that's been really interesting upon entering the security space, which is fairly new to me, is that like everything is risks, right? Like no matter what you're doing, there's a risk, right? Yeah. So like you live in a home, great. You have a padlock, or you know, or you have a, a door with a lock and a key, great. right? But there's also a window. And if somebody smashes the window, yeah. they get into your house. Yeah. Like th you can't protect against that. But the probability of the the window getting broken and someone going in is pretty low. So we choose to accept that risk mm -hmm. every single day by existing. Yeah. And so much of what I do is going about, you know, the business and going, where are our risks? Well, if and when bad happens. What does that look like? Right. We're trying to build a new thing. Okay. What are the risks there? What are the things we can do to mediate the risks that we decide are too high probability and high impact to, to put out in those forms? And what are the things that we're willing to say, oh, that might happen, but let's make sure to monitor for those. And let's make sure to have data to tell us, oh, things are going in a direction that we need to address it. Right. Right. Like, so a lot of what I do is really thinking, thinking like an asshole, thinking like a shithead of like, <laughs> if I want to ruin this thing, if I want to break this. How would I do it? I've been really curious about since we started talking is um, you're a very loving, caring person. You, it doesn't seem as though you're a sociopath. Hmm. So therefore, how do you emotionally handle the bad people on the Internet? So I've always been this way where I firmly believe that everybody is doing everybody is doing what they believe to be good. The question is, what are the logical hoops you're jumping through Wait, come to on. make that to be? No, I'm completely serious right now. So, like, again, Middle East studies major focus in Israel-Palestine, right? Like, I understand rationally why extremists on every single side are doing what they have to do to save their people. Wow. Right? I, and, like, my brain has always done that, right? Why is what I'm doing right now, why does that make sense to me? When I lived in Mississippi, there was a billboard about 30 miles outside Little Rock, Arkansas. that yeah. was, tell Democratic and uh, Republican establishments you're fired, Donald J. Trump for president. And I remember thinking, like, okay, what is the message this billboard is sending? And it's, yeah. hey, random people in rural-ass town, like, yeah. neither of these parties care about you, but that random guy you saw on TV, screw it, vote for him. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, well, that's not true, right? But if I grew up in this tiny town, yeah. my grandparents, New York yeah. grandparents, and we go back generations, and this is how it's always been, make America great again means something really visceral, because mm. that Main Street used to be a there there, and now it isn't. Yeah. And so is it bigoted and racist and you know xenophobic and homophobic? Like, Yeah, yes, it's all of those things, but it's also real. And I think it's really important to not dehumanize people. Anarchy is a yeah. unfortunate but valid way of going about the world, right? I am mad and I want to piss people off. I want to fuck shit up today. Okay, great. Yeah. How do I how do I keep you in your little box? My favorite musician actually, his name's Ren. He goes by Ren Makes Music online. And he talked about this in some of his posts recently that I forget how he said it. He said it so eloquently, but 
both sides are essentially extreme. Mm-hmm. It's like it just is a matter of what side are you on. Or even the uh, in this interview, someone was talking about Dave Chappelle. Mm. Oh, to Trevor Noah, the who used to host the Daily Show. Of course, such a an amazing. I love Trevor um, Noah. Yeah, and the interviewer was like, "What do you think about Dave Chappelle? Everybody's against him, or something like that." He's like. Well, I mean, it just depends what side you're on, whether he's right or wrong, right? He's right to a lot of people, and then he's wrong to a lot of people. It's all just dependent on the the team you're on. It's really hard to reconcile that there's logic in things that come off so hateful. And particularly where that hate feels really targeted, right? You know, when I think about what is my role— I think about how can I make sure that we're at least accounting for these cases, right? So like you want to build something where people are going to be able to communicate with each other in any mechanism. Great. Let's not be surprised when somebody sends a penis, right? Like <laughs> like Instagram has a metric, TTFP, time till first penis. And like if you're – okay, engineers here. Are you building anything with image upload? Great. Here are some things that you can't even pretend to be surprised by. Someone uploads penises. Someone uploads children's penises. Someone uploads unsolicited penises. Great. How are you scanning for child porn? Do you have any system integrated like photo DNA? I know Microsoft has a, basically a known database of child abuse materials where you can like send these images to and see if the hashes match. These are things that if you're doing image upload, you are opening up a vector for various forms of abuse. Does that mean you shouldn't build them? No. It means that you can't claim naivete when that gets used for abusive purposes. And like there's been stuff in the past, like I was asked to build something where it was essentially like building, like allow people to upload a, what was it, like a cover photo for their, yeah. like like a custom feed. And we didn't have the time to build it in a way that integrated with our anti-child abuse material yeah. um, systems. And I went to my manager and I said, I will not build this if we don't have the safety tools incorporated. And she looked at me and she said, yep, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Great. We will scrap that feature. And my big thing of why I got into tech is I wanted someone in the room who'd be willing to do that. Mm. And I don't say this because I'm a hero or I'm a martyr. It's it's as simple as being like, are we sure we want to make this decision? Okay. Yeah. These are the costs of making that decision. And sometimes the answer is yes. And yeah. sometimes it's okay. It's a fast follow to make sure that we follow up with that thing. But making sure that we are being honest with ourselves about what we are and we aren't accounting for and we, totally. are and we aren't okay with, I think is so important. One more lean in into this like dark world as I'm trying to like – handle it myself things like you know abusing children that's just wrong across the board right there's no logic can i say that there's no logic to it yeah okay how do you emotionally process that i'm so empathetic and sensitive and i i like feel things like i would never be able to do your job because it would kill me like i i wouldn't be able to emotionally handle it so my job i don't i don't look at that all day i don't and like I know it exists, but I'm a big fan of listening to people who are in those worlds and understanding what are your threats and how can we help protect you from them, right? What are the resources that we can build to help preemptively protect you, mm-hmm. right? Like I actually started a team a few years ago that's done a lot of things, but now it's a full-on moderator safety team that is building stuff specifically to help keep our moderators safe from various abuse factors, right? Like abuse will exist whether or not we want it to or not. So how can we protect the people who are dealing with it? I guess what I mean by everything that that I'm saying is you're still like extensively more exposed to this is going to sound funny extensive extensively more exposed to the internet than I am. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's I don't. A weird place. Here, here's like, what I, here's I don't what know I how say. you do. I don't know how you do it. Like I, 
I can't even handle watching YouTube videos or my own YouTube feed sometimes because it feeds me negativity. (laughs) Well, and here's what I'll say to that. Then don't. And I think it's so hard for people to be like, I can't be online, but I must. No, no, no. You you can unplug in any way. Social media will continue without you. <laughs> and it's so such a, like like during COVID or it, so uh, it was I think it was in like 2019. I think I told you before the interview, but I had uh, I had surgery on my vocal cords in 2013. Yes. I developed cysts. It was bad. Do not recommend it. Like cannot stress enough. If you're having vocal issues, go see a doctor. Wow. You don't want to lose your voice. And, you know, in 2019, I uh, started smoking weed again and very quickly developed nodes on both my vocal or on. Yeah, my, my vocal cords and it, it got bad again. And I got to the point where I realized like I was going to need to go on a lot of extensive vocal rest. Yeah. And I needed to spend a lot of Saturday afternoons at home and not be going to the bars and, and whatnot. And so I just got off Instagram. I was like, I don't want the FOMO. I need to be sitting on my bed watching Parks and Rec and being OK with that. Yeah. And then I was like, huh, I don't know what anyone I went to high school with is doing. and I don't care. Huh. This is nice. Well, fast forward a bunch of years. I'm yeah. off Instagram. I think nothing of it. Then yeah. a pandemic starts. Yeah. And suddenly Instagram is this place where people are doing, you know, lives and conversations. Yeah, yeah, and Instagram yeah. was such a connecting force. And I was still like morally off it. And it was like, I'm missing out on the world because I'm not on Instagram, but I'm staying off Instagram for reasons. Right. I moved to Los Angeles. I'd meet people. Hey, what's your Instagram? I'm not on it. Yeah. Oh, see you never. But here's my number. Nah, yeah. It doesn't matter. And then I ended up getting back on Instagram because it was like, how am I going to make friends here? That's how I'm going to do it here. Yeah. It was really interesting to come back and be like, oh, there's positive things about this, but I now understand what my use case is for it. And if I feel like I'm not getting what I want out of it, I'm going to stop. Yeah. And I think it's that way for all sorts of things online. During COVID, I aggressively segmented my world into things I can control and things I can't control. And if I can't control it and I'm just consuming it like trauma porn, I need to look away. Because who is it serving for me to be in this this state? Yeah. Aside from Reddit, of course, what is your favorite tech tool or mobile app? Honestly, I'm a big fan of voice memos. Yeah. I'm what, a, in what uh, in what platform? Like what channel? Like just a iMessage voice memo? or Oh, I, I literally use the voice memos app on my phone all the time. I'll have oh, like just a, to yourself. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, myself. Yeah. I'm a very verbal processor. I'm a very relational person. Like in the workplace, my favorite thing to say is like, hey, do you got five minutes to hop on Hangout or, you know, Slack, Huddle yeah. or Hangout or yeah, Zoom, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like let's just talk it out. Yeah. This is the, the socialness of me really, really showing. I'm a big fan of post-its on my monitor to remind me of things. People have great tech tools that I really don't. Uh, I love an interactive debugger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, <laughs> you know, like I'm very kinesthetic in that way. Yeah. So I need, like, you know, drop me in the middle of executing code and I can be like, what are my variables right now? <laughs> like, what can this object do? I don't remember anything. Big fan of Control F. Silver Searcher AG is the, the extension on my browser yeah. that I use just to like search in a code base for whatever. Like I never learned the incantations for grep. So I just let this tool do it for me. That counts. And where can people connect with you? So I'm so ashamed of this answer. I think right now it's Instagram, which I don't like. I basically got off Twitter. I deleted it from my phone once the image chain to be an X and I actually feel a void. Um, I'm like really sad about what's happened to Twitter in every way, shape and form. Yeah. But yeah, I think Insta. So it's just Becca Rosenthal with an underscore at the end. I'm on LinkedIn, but, like, I don't really use my LinkedIn. People tell me that I should be a LinkedIn influencer, but I don't want to be. Like, I, I have the things to say. I just, like, yeah. don't want to be that person for reasons I don't 100%. know. 100%. People this tell is, me I should have a video podcast. I just don't want to be. Like, I'm too pretty. I would break the internet. <laughs> Stop. Um, I just I, – it's like everybody is telling you how you should live our lives. Can we just, like, live our lives with what actually fulfills our us. <laughs> right. Well, but I think we optimize for the things we want to optimize for us. Like I have a lot of friends who are musicians. I see a ton of live music. I talk to my friends who are trying to make it that are like, 
I'm being told that I can't do anything until I go huge on TikTok. I didn't yeah. sign up to be a social media star. I signed up to be a musician. And like yeah. the job is not musician anymore. The job is influencer. I don't yeah. want to be an influencer. I don't want to be an influencer I have either. no interest. But yeah. the way that the media landscape is evolving is if you want to, you know, keep up with where it's yeah. going, like that's the direction you have to go in. Yeah. Or you say the people who, you know, do what I want to do, like, or whatnot, like, we're here. This is where I am. Meet me where I am. What I will say is one of the reasons that I decided I wanted to come on here today is that one of the biggest voids I've felt since moving down to L.A. is that I don't have a professional community. I don't have a tech community. Oh. And I'm really looking to meet people here. So if you live in oh, the I Silver have, Lake, Echo yeah. Park, whatnot area, I'm looking to connect with people and, and like really looking to have a professional community. I'm definitely the right person to talk to. After this, I'll give you all the links, too. Love that. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. To connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to our Women in Tech group, womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social media at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you talk to you other things in the next episode. Bye. My name is Becca Rosenthal. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I'm a software engineer over at Reddit, your home for cat videos, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.